This is the podcast of Christian Life Center, an Assemblies of God Church in Springfield, Massachusetts. For more information, visit our website at clc413.com. Would you join with me in standing to your feet? Our president has declared today as a national day of prayer. And as you read through the scriptures, whenever the leader of the nation called the people to pray and the people prayed, God moved. And so we as God's people need to humble ourselves and seek the Lord. Today, we've gathered here in this place to hear the word of the Lord, but we have also gathered to seek his face. And I want to encourage us right from the beginning of this service to come before the Lord and to open our hearts and to surrender ourselves to him. The Bible speaks so specifically about humbling ourselves. And uh, oftentimes, the position of our body represents the position of our heart. Not always, but if we are genuine, it will. And so this morning, I want to invite you to do something a little different with me, would you? I'm going to ask if you would do a 180, and if you would allow your chair to be your altar, and would you bow before the Lord with humility this morning? If you have problems with your knees or not able to do it, fully understand But this is what I'm asking you to do, to turn, to face that way, and to make your chair an altar, and to simply come before the Lord and humble yourself. And your kneeling is an attitude, a posture that would represent the attitude of your heart of humility before God this morning. Dear Heavenly Father, as a church body this morning, We recognize that you are our help and you are our hope. Any natural assistance that comes, we're grateful for it, but it ultimately came from you. And we know that every single thing on this planet responds to you today. And so we come to you, the creator of the universe, And we humble ourselves before you this morning, asking that you would move upon us today, that you would have mercy upon our nation today, that in so many ways has been crippled with fear and anxiety, going beyond even normal precautions. There are so many hearts that are filled with fear. And this morning, right from the beginning, we take authority in the power of the name of Jesus over every spirit that would like to cripple us with fear because it is not what you have given us. You have not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and of a sound mind. And so we come before you and we humble ourselves before you, almighty God. Acknowledging that you are our strength and you are our help. You are our ever-present help in time of trouble. And as we surrender to you this morning, we know that you will guide, you will provide, you will protect, you will sustain, you will strengthen, and you will heal. 
And we ask for your healing upon our nation, your healing upon our land, your healing upon our families, your healing upon us individually. We pray for the protection of your Holy Spirit. God, as we did not too long ago, as we gathered around this entire building, and the north and the west, the north and the south, and the east and the west, and we proclaimed your word, believing for your protection. We pray for that protection even now this morning. God, we ask that you would touch every person in this room, from the youngest to the oldest, from the strongest to the weakest. And we pray for your Holy Spirit's touch. We ask that the blood of Jesus Christ will be applied to every single one of our hearts, every single one of our bodies, that though there may be virus, there may be disease that may lurk around us, yet we pray, God, that your hand of protection will be upon your people. And we ask that we will walk in obedience to you so that we will not open the door to the enemy to have his way in our lives. We thank you, Jesus, for this wonderful privilege that we have to access your throne room, and we do that corporately this morning. We bow our knees out of a, a statement of humility to say, God, we acknowledge that we need you today. If it weren't for you, the truth is, regardless of what disease there may be, we all deserve the death penalty. And it's only because of your gift, the gift of Jesus Christ, that we have eternal life. And so we submit to you today. We place our lives, we place our health within your hands and within your care. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Amen. Thank you. We spoke not long ago about Peter and when he faced the situation where he saw Jesus walking on the water to him, he called out to Jesus and he said, if it's really you, would you call me to come to you? Peter steps out of the boat and he begins walking on the water. Everything's going fine. He's walking just like Jesus. And then all of a sudden he changes his focus. And when his focus changes to turn to the waves around him, that is when his feet start to go down. Friends, in all that is going on, if you could remember anything at all this morning, remember this. Keep your focus on Jesus. As you read news, as you see all that's going on, turn your focus back to Jesus. Because He is our source of refuge. He is our source of strength. And as I was pondering it on it this week, just reminding myself of the reality that the greatest infection that any of us could receive is not a virus that would affect our body, but a virus that affects our soul. Now, what's interesting about when you get infected with something that is bacterial, the doctors prescribe you something, don't they? They give you antibiotics. But one unique, unique thing about a virus is that the doctor will often say to you, get some rest, take care of yourself, it's got to run its course. Because the antibiotic's not going to deal with it. 
God, in his infinite wisdom, knew exactly what was necessary to give us so that the virus of sin in our lives would be completely eradicated. And I'm so thankful today that I have hope in Jesus Christ, first and foremost, because I have eternal life in him. And regardless of what happens to this body, my hope in Jesus Christ for my soul is secure. Because of what he did on the cross, his blood paid the price for exactly what I needed to be made whole spiritually. But then it goes farther than that. The scripture tells us that when Jesus died on the cross, he not only paid the price for the healing of our, bo of our, our souls and our spirits, but also for the healing of our bodies. There is absolutely no disease that has authority over our God. But rather, our God has authority over every disease. It doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't. And so what these things do when they come across our path is they challenge us. And what can happen is, is our heart, and it's normal, can easily be challenged with a grip of fear. And whether we admit it or not, there's that battle of how are we going to respond to what's going on around us. And the important thing for you to remember is that in and of yourself, there is no antibiotic that you can take to be able to fix the problem. And so, especially with certain things that are um, not available to be able to provide um, uh, a shot to be able to help you with a virus that's coming down the pike, you can be gripped with, oh, well, what if it touches my life? Now, one thing that is very important for you to remember is that you are a child of the living God. And if you had a dad and a mom who were in your home and you were a little child and they could do something to protect you, do you think they would? Of course they would. You would, wouldn't you? You're a parent in this room. Wouldn't you do everything you can to protect your children? Do you think God is any less of a loving father? No. Now, why do we have the mess that's going on? Well, the truth be told, across the board, for the most part, we have said, God, we don't need you. And we've kicked him out. Okay. Now, you may not have kicked him out. But there are many who have, okay? And here are the results of what happens when you kick God out. His protection isn't there anymore. And then some people, when they want to kick God out, and then they don't realize that they're not under his protection anymore, then they turn the blame game. Well, why did God do this? God do what? The Bible tells us so clearly that God is not pleased even when the wicked perish because he wants all to be saved. So if he grieves when the wicked perish, don't believe the lie of the enemy that God's somehow sitting up in heaven going, ooh, let's see how many this takes out. No, 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 no. God's heart grieves more than your heart grieves over what's going on. 
So let's keep a right perspective on how God sees all of these things. It's very important that you and I stay focused on Jesus and his word. Now, I want to read to you from 2 Timothy chapter 3. In verse 1, it says this, you should know this, Timothy. Now, think about this. This is many, many years ago that this was written, approximately 2,000 years ago. The Apostle Paul is writing this letter to his disciple, Timothy, and he's saying, Timothy, I want you to know that in the last days, there will be very difficult times. Now, if it applied to Timothy, how much more doesn't it apply to us who are here more inundated in these last days than ever before. And I might add, the coming of Jesus is all the more closer than it ever was. The scripture tells us that people will love only themselves and their money. They will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents, and ungrateful. They will consider nothing sacred. They will be unloving and unforgiving. They will slander others and have no self-control. They will be cruel and hate what is good. They will betray their friends. They will be reckless, puffed up with pride, and love pleasure rather than God. They will act religious, but they will reject the power that could make them godly. Stay away from people like that. Now, we see all around us the evidence of this going on, and my friends, the Bible tells us that any nation that turns away from God, it is an automatic response that the discipline of the Lord come. That's the automatic response. In fact, in the Old Testament, God often held off for a period of time as a cup filled up, and, and when the cup filled up, there was judgment that came. I'm so grateful that we serve a merciful God, and he's gracious, and the Bible calls the way he handles things long-suffering. He puts up with stuff for a long time. I want you to think for a moment, if someone were to constantly berate you to your face, how long would you be willing to put up with it? You know, think about that for a moment. And it doesn't really hit home until it hits home. And so sometimes we may be observing what's going on elsewhere, but then when it comes to someone dealing with us, it's hard to swallow. But this world regularly rejects the gracious hand of our God and turns their back on him day after day after day. So how are we to see what goes on around us? The enemy has come to steal, to kill, and to destroy, the Bible tells us. But Jesus came to give us life and life more abundantly. So here's how that pertains to you and I. What we see happening all around us is the very work of the enemy that is trying to destroy every person that he can with as much time as he has left. He knows his days are short, and the scripture tells us that the enemy is working hard but Jesus told his followers, he said, work while it is day because the night is coming when no one can work. 
And here's the wonderful thing about moments like this that throw our world into chaos. These are opportunities for you and I to be able to shine brightly the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because in these moments, we stand firm upon the word of God. And as we stand firm on the word of God, fear does not have to direct us. And in addition to fear not directing us, you and I are called by God to not just be defensive, but to be offensive as well. And let's go on down to chapter 4 in 2 Tim Timothy in verse 1. God's word says, I solemnly urge you in the presence of God and Jesus Christ, who will someday judge the living and the dead when he appears to set up his kingdom, preach the word of God. Be prepared whether the time is favorable or not. Patiently correct, rebuke, and encourage your people with good teaching. For a time is coming when people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching. They will follow their own desires and will look for teachers who will tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. They will reject the truth and chase after myths. But you should keep a clear mind in every situation. The only way that you can keep a clear mind in every situation is by keeping your eyes focused on Jesus. No matter what's going on around you, God has made you a promise. And he has said that as you seek first his kingdom, he will provide everything that you need. Whether or not the item is available on the shelf at Walmart does not take away from the promise of the living God. So if you can't find something you're looking for, go to the one who promised to get it to you. And his delivery system is better than, and you can fill in the blank. What God promises, he always follows through on. And that takes away from the fear. Well, what if I can't find it here? God's got storehouses. And he can provide for you. So don't be afraid of what goes on around you. But what you do need to do is you need to make sure that you are keeping your heart and mind washed with the word of the Lord so that you can have a clear mind in every situation. That way, when those who are overcome with fear come to speak to you, you'll have a word of encouragement for them. God wants you to be ready during these moments. These moments, perhaps more than regular times, uh, you will be able to have an opportunity to shine brightly the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ. This morning, I, I am so blessed because uh, this service is one of my favorite services. Uh, this morning, uh, Brian are going to be following in Jesus' footsteps in getting baptized in water. And uh, as I shared with them this morning when we met before the service, in John 14, 21, it says that he who has my commands and keeps them, he is the one who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father. And Jesus said, and I will love him and will reveal myself 
to him. I love that. You see, our obedience to the Lord unlocks certain things. And Brian and Deb are taking this step of obedience to the Lord. And I have no doubt that as they take this step, God has assignments that he's going to give them because they've been obedient. And I want to share a word with you here this morning. If you have given your heart to Christ but have never gotten baptized in water, then your next item on your to-do list, spiritually, get dunked for the glory of God. Jesus did it. And it's important for us to follow suit. Um, so this morning, it is a privilege to be able to be a part of seeing the Lord work in a very special way in Brian and Deborah's lives. They have already given their lives to Christ. This water baptism is not what's saving them. It's the blood of Jesus that saves them. This baptism is symbolic of what happened already in their heart. They're going down. The old person is dying, and the new person is going to resurrect for the glory of God. I remember my baptism. It was one of the best days of my life. The old Joseph stayed back there, Seattle, Washington, at that lake where I went all the way under, and the new Joseph has been living for the glory of God. And that's not to say temptation doesn't come. It just means that we have the power of the Holy Spirit every single day to live in victory. And Brian and Deb, God's got great plans for you. Commend you for the steps that you're taking in obedience to the Lord. God's favor is upon you. Walk worthy of the calling that God has placed upon your lives. And you will see God direct you places you never thought you would go. You will accomplish things for the glory of God that you never thought you will accomplish because you're his son and daughter, and he has great plans for your lives. And so at this time, we are going to follow through in taking this step of obedience to the Lord in Brian and Deb getting baptized in water. So we're going to make our way to the back, and um, we're going to get ready for them to be water baptized. The Word of God tells us in the book of Matthew, we see that Jesus went from Galilee to the Jordan River, chapter 3, verse 13, to be baptized by John. But John tried to talk him out of it. I am the one who needs to be baptized by you, he said, so why are you coming to me? But Jesus said, it should be done, for we should carry out all that God requires. So John agreed to baptize him. After his baptism, as Jesus came up out of the water, the heavens were opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and settling on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy. This morning... Brian and Deborah are coming to take this step of obedience in being baptized in water. And our first candidate for water baptism is Brian. Welcome, Brian.
Ryan, we've got to know each other a little bit in the time that you have been here. And I have seen the work of the Lord in your heart and in your life. Why do you want to get baptized in water this morning? Yeah, I just want to renew my... Just want to renew myself, just bury my old me to the past, and just be be a new me as a new resurrection, just as Lord Jesus Christ did when He had John the Baptist baptize them in the water as well. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. All right. Praise God. So, Brian, upon the confession of your faith and the life that you now live in obedience to Jesus Christ, I baptize you. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Next is Welcome Deb. Deb, having met with you and hearing of the way that the Lord has worked in your life, it's exciting to see how God has been giving you victories. And why did you choose to get baptized in water this morning? Um, for so long, I've been living in the darkness. <laughs> and he's delivered me from that and shown me the lightness. And I'm so grateful for him. And I'm just showing my commitment to him by doing this baptism. Amen. Yes, yes, yes. Deb, upon the confession of your faith and the life that you now live in obedience to Jesus Christ, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Bible tells us that all of our lives, without Christ, we live with the fear of death. But God, through Jesus Christ, has given us access to victory over death. And because of what Jesus did, though this outer body will one day perish, unless we go up first, Yet the Bible tells us that our spirit that has been born again will remain forever and ever in the presence of the living God. 
The wonderful thing about eternal life is that it's not only something that we enter into when we leave this earth, but the moment that we receive Christ, we begin walking in the power of the Holy Spirit. And it's very important for you and I to remember that we are citizens of the kingdom of the living God. Because of that, God has called us to regularly put to death all of the things of the darkness. Just because we have given our lives to Christ and even just because we have gotten water baptized does not automatically mean that we are walking daily fully surrendered to God. I want to challenge each and every one of you this morning as you walk with the Lord, allow that moment that happened in your baptism when that happened to you, allow that reality to be alive every single day because God's heart is for you to live in victory, victory over every sin. And this morning, if you're in this place, Maybe you have never given your heart to Christ. Perhaps you have tried to be a good person. You've tried to live your life in a way that would be good, but the Bible tells us that there is no one that is good enough, not even one. And if you're here this morning, the Spirit of the Lord calls to you and says, if you are willing to confess Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, your name will be written in the book of life. And you can leave this place a brand new person. And so this morning, if you're in this place and the Holy Spirit has been speaking to your heart and you know that you need to be prepared to enter heaven, there is no other way except through Jesus. And he calls out to you and says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to my Father, Jesus says, except through me. For a few moments, if you could bow your heads and close your eyes, I want to give you the opportunity today to be right with God. If you're honest with yourself, you know that you've done wrong. The Bible says all of us, myself included, have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But through Jesus Christ, we have been given the gift of life but we must receive it. The scripture tells us that if we confess with our mouth and we believe with our heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, we will be saved. So if you're here today and you would say, Pastor, I want to make that decision to surrender my life to Christ and ask Jesus to forgive me of all my sin, to write my name in the book of life, I'm going to ask you to take a step to simply stand to your feet right where you are, and I would love to pray with you that the Spirit of God will transform your life, and that your heart will be cleansed, and that you will be made brand new. Is there anyone here today that needs to make that decision? This is your invitation to simply stand where you are, and I would be glad to pray with you today. Is there anyone? One last call.
Are you certain that you're ready to meet Jesus? I sincerely hope from the bottom of my heart that everyone present is ready to meet the Lord. I believe that with the power of the Holy Spirit, we will be able to overcome every challenge that comes our way. I invite you all to join with me in standing at this time. I want to thank all of those who participated in reading the Word of God together around this sanctuary. And I encourage you to remember those words. If you need to read the Psalm 91 over again, that is the Word of the Lord for you. And allow it to penetrate your spirit and not allow fear to guide and direct you this week. I want to ask you this morning to take every concern, every worry, every problem, every care, and I want you to lay it before the foot of the cross. There may be matters that are beyond what we talked about today, but some issues that are going on in your home, problems that you're dealing with in your own life, maybe your marriage, uh, maybe a family member or a loved one, and it's overwhelming your thoughts and you're not sure what to do. The Bible says that God will give us peace that passes all understanding, and he will also give us wisdom that goes beyond our own experience. And so right now, as I prepare to pray for you, I want to invite you to simply lay before God whatever it is that is weighing heavy on your heart. And as you do, believe that God hears and he will answer. I'm going to join with you in prayer now and believe God for his supernatural touch upon whatever situation you may be going through. Father, for every single person that is present in this room today, those who are dealing with matters, perhaps private, maybe some public, but that are wearing their spirits down, I pray for the sustaining power of the spirit of the living God to encourage them to bolster them so that they will not be tossed about by the waves of circumstances in their lives. But as they turn their focus and their attention on Jesus Christ, that they will be able to uh, be firmly rooted and grounded in the foundation that will not budge. Now I pray for each and every mind that they will think about things that pertain to what is true and what is right, and that they will focus on your promises in your word. Though there may be situations that are very much a reality around us, it does not take away from the reality that you are in control of it all and you are able to protect your people. So we stand upon your word today, God, and we choose to seek your face. And as we did this morning, so we continue to do. We humble ourselves before you. And we ask that you would show us mercy, O oh God, and that you would pour out your spirit upon this church, upon Springfield, upon the entire area of the Pioneer Valley and the surrounding area. We pray for our nation, O oh God. We pray for the leaders of our nation as they make decisions in the midst of all that is going on. We pray, Holy Spirit, that you would give them wisdom and that you would help them to make right choices, that the decisions that they make will be out of fear of you, O oh God, more than anything else. And we pray for a reprieve, O oh God, and that all that is going on with the coronavirus, that it will be stopped in the name of Jesus. We pray, God, that you would give us wisdom as we speak to those around us, those who may be overwhelmed by the circumstances, unsure of what to do. I pray that we will seize those moments as windows of opportunity to share about the goodness and the greatness of our God. 
And I pray that your presence, oh God, would be with us. That we would, as we leave this place, know that you are before us. You are behind us to our left and to our right. You are above us and you hold us up by your mighty right hand. But your word tells us that you, the Lord, our God, will hold our right hand. Saying to us, do not be afraid. I will help you. So we stand upon your word. We trust in you today. Our confidence is not in what is going on around us, but rather in you, the almighty God, the creator of the entire universe. Bless your people today and use them to be a blessing to many, to many others, O oh God. And Lord, as was mentioned earlier, as we were encouraged to share our needs with others, God, give us the wisdom to do that. Show us those who are in need, whether it be financial or some other way that we can be a blessing. May our light shine because of what you have done for us. And may other souls come to know you because of what they see and what they hear through our lives and through our lips. In Jesus' precious name we pray, amen and amen.